And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Infinity. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Geraghty and meet of the football champions. Hello and welcome to another edition of the We Are Me podcast. It's Mickey Brennan here as usual. I'm joined by Davy Rispin, um, interview interviewer extraordinaire. Um, what what an interview! I'm just going to start kick straight into it. What an interview you got with uh, Graham Garrity um, last week, Davy. Uh, two and a half hours long. I doubt Graham Garrity has ever done an interview like it. No, and, uh, you know, he was very good with his time, in fairness. You know, we didn't even talk about it. I said to him at the start, look, it probably last about an hour, an hour and a bit, Max. We, we have a lot to get through, but we'll fly through it. And sure, you know yourself, you, you did one with Bernard Flinders. They always tend to kind of drag on, and you always kind of want to get that bit more out of them as well when they're people of um, of the ilk of Graham Garrity and, and Bernard Flynn, you know. But, uh, no, like, unbelievable, you know. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um he was very honest, very open as as he normally is, you know, and didn't hold back and typically witty in that as well, which is great to see. You know, you love to, to see him, you know, complaining about Mayo still whinging to this day from 96 and all this kind of thing, you know. But uh, he doesn't really mind at this stage. You know, he's been there and done it. Uh, he can say these sort of things now. Yeah, well, we'll come back to that interview now in a moment. Um, just I'll, I'll catch up with you first of all. Um as I showed you straight away when I come on, mop of hair here going on um, with myself. Obviously, I haven't got to a hairdresser or a barber in quite some time. And I'm, I'm thinking about doing a, a, a bit of a shave on it tonight. I think I'm going to get my razor at it um, and uh, give, it the, give it the once over, Davey. What, what are your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what the, the listeners would think. And uh, I don't know about maybe putting up a poll on Instagram or on, on Twitter maybe and, uh, you know, seeing would they would they agree that you should get the whole lot off. I mean, like, you've got a big mop of hair, so there's no question it'll come back and that. But I, I think, seeing as barbers are going to be shut until the end of July, I think it's something you have to consider and it'll get you by you probably until damn close to it, so. You're saying I've got a big head, of, a big mop of hair and, uh, and it'll come back. I'm looking at it here at the moment and... While you're saying it's going to come back, the only way I can see it coming back is 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 in a Bobby Charlton comb over maybe. But it, it's starting to it's starting to get light on top, so I'm a bit afraid of of, of uh, shaving it. But um, I think I might go for it. Um, oh, I think you, you should. Know, it looks it looks like the head has grown through the hair at the minute. Yeah, well, my mom, my mom decided to do my dad's there last last week or the week before, and she put a massive clump. She went, and it was actually a horse. Uh, a horse razor she didn't realize <laughs> she did one strip at the back i'll send you on the picture after but she did one strip on the back and it just absolutely skinned him so she had to go basically round you know full ball and i like that he'd have a lot less hair than you would anyway so um i think i think go for it mickey you know at unprecedented times i don't think you're you're going to be in any bars or nightclubs in the next, or even at football matches for the next three or four months. So <laughs> who's going to see you? <laughs> well, look, it could be, make me a little bit more aerodynamic for doing the runs on the road and stuff like that yeah. as well. So uh, it might be something to consider. Um, what is the story with yourself? What have you been up to the last uh, few days for the bank holiday? Yeah, well, we had the we had our run for Dan yesterday, the 400-kilometre run for Dan in the club yesterday. So uh, extremely busy day because... Obviously, with social media and that, you know, posting everyone's times and runs and everything like that was amazing. We uh, we had over 100 people taking part, families, you know, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And um, I think we ran over a thousand kilometers collectively, which is great. 
Um, I got out and did mine yesterday morning early and uh, Jesus, I was sore after like 10k. I, I wouldn't be, like I've, I've often said it, but corner forwards really aren't built for 10k runs. You know, it's just not in our remit. Um, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, have to say. We raised uh, seven grand, just over seven grand. And, you know, for a very small club out here, we're, we're delighted with that, you know, and it was a great bit of fun as well doing it. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's fantastic and uh, delighted to say that even before you did your run, that uh, the Do It For Dan campaign had raised the money uh, that was needed for the life-changing, um, uh, uh, what would you call it? Um, treatments yeah, the treatment that, exactly, that Dan yeah. needed. Um, it's, it's a crazy world when you think it's the most expensive treatment uh, in the world um, mm. that Dan needed. And it's crazy to think that uh, a child can, uh, can need that and that you have to pay... Two point one million dollars to um, to get that treatment, but look, that's maybe a discussion for another podcast. It just it doesn't sit well with me. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, it's crazy, and like for every, you know, for every one that gets it, you know, how many how many kids just can't, you know? And it was unbelievable that the GA community, and that's that what that's what really got it over the line. You'd have to say, you know, collectively. Um, and it's brilliant for Dan and his parents, uh, Niall and Ashling. But you know, for every one of Dan, how many kids is it that you know don't get that treatment and and don't, you know, maybe don't survive or anything like that? That's that's very you know disheartening when you think about it. But I, I completely agree with you. It should be should be brought in. Even I don't know if Ireland could do something. You'd think, but yeah, we could, uh, yeah, it's 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 quite poignant, but it's. Uh, it, it is something that's wrong with the world at the moment, um, uh, and always is that you have to pay for for, for such treatments. Um, look, we're delighted anyway for Dan and his family, and uh, uh, we, we we wish him the best um, in his treatment. Moving it on though, uh, back to me, GA matters. Um, as you said, the interview with um, Graham Garrity, we had to split it up into two parts because it's, it's, it's such a long and in-depth uh, interview, a, a fantastic interview for anybody out there who hasn't signed up to the Patreon service. Um, obviously, you've mentioned as well Bernard Flynn only a couple of weeks ago. We had Andy McEntee, we had Connor Nash, we had Alan Nestor. We've had some absolutely fantastic interviews over the last number of weeks and um, it's, 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 it's well worth the signing up fee. I know a lot of my friends have signed up recently um, because they were delighted to hear these interviews. But in part one of the interview, uh, Davey, um, you discuss, first of all, you went through some Instagram interactive with him because mm. you put out uh, on Instagram questions for him and then uh, you went into his county career and that spans an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. It's yeah. so in-depth. And look, uh, what a colourful character and well you know, so well regarded um, in Mead. <laughs> yeah. Probably not so um, uh, around the country, but everybody knew his talent. And uh, he's, he, he, he was a kind of a rogue, but he was our rogue. Yeah, that's it. They're the cult heroes in every county that, you know, you've always had and you love them. You love if you have them in your team or, or you know, if you're playing with them. But if you're playing against them or you're... You know your team is playing against them. They're absolute nightmares because they they're wind up merchants. They're quality footballers, but they're you know they really are a pain in the arse and they get on the the backs of fans. But you know I was interested when I did ask him about the dubs and all that, and you know that was a real rivalry that was there both with with players and with fans alike. But you know he said now even you know when he meets the dubs after a game or when he walks into a pub or a restaurant, he says you know it's all good crack. He says at the time right maybe some of the things was. You know, some of the things that were said or, or did weren't very nice. But he says the vast majority of people you meet nowadays afterwards, you know, they always look back and, and have a bit of a laugh and joke about it. And I think that's what it's all about. It's, um, you know, we, we all get very embroiled in it when we're, when we're playing and watching GA. But I think after when you meet someone like that, it's, it's nice to see them kind of mixing it and, and appreciating him for the, the footballer he was. Yeah, and similarly to Bernard Flynn, you know, when you listen back to Bernard's uh, interview, there was a serious rivalry between Mead and Dublin back then as well. And, you know, now he's best friends with, with some of the Dublin players yeah. that he played against. You know, Keith Barr, uh, T Tommy Carr just lives down the road from him. And him, they're, they're very, very close to each other. So, you know, it's something that, you know, uh, even... 
even now I'm starting to realize at my age in my 40s that while I had these unbelievable rivalries on the football field, be it in Cavan or be it in Meath, mm. um, now when you get to a certain age, you kind of have this mutual respect for each other. And, and, and I meet up with loads of players. I'm actually, as, as, as I've said in the podcast before, I play over 40s now. And I'm playing against fellas who would have been my arch nemesis on the field. <laughs> and now we're best buddies, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what's beautiful, I think, about the GEA. You don't get that with too many sports. Especially not soccer, you know, because there's 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 a niggle in soccer that ne- kind of never goes away, um, and uh, and a rivalry. Whereas in the GEA, you know, because we're all one big community at the end of the day, you've got your club, you've got your county, and then you've got the GEA as a whole. It just and 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 you see the GEA coming together for do it for Dan, and and that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, I mean, like, even in a, in a club championship scenario, you know, you could go out on a Friday or Saturday night and knock the shite out of each other and then meet each other that night in the, in the, in the palace or wherever it may be. And, you know, you're having a drink and you're having a laugh and maybe you catch up about the game. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And, and I agree with you. That's where in soccer it's probably lost because, you know, clubs are very much, they keep to themselves and all that. They play their game and they go away. Whereas, you know, in GEA, fair enough, county, you mightn't as much, but definitely in club football, you know, you'll always bump into people that you've probably had run-ins with down through the years and you just have to get on with it, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it is. It's great. Um, and and bringing it back to Graham Yerry's interview, in part two of the interview, you go into depth with him on his club career. He also picks his best 15 and then he answers some more questions from Instagram because you got so many questions from Instagram, you had to break it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. So I thought the the best way of doing it would be to split them and do the first half just to ease them in before we kind of get into the serious stuff. And then uh, when we finished his uh, county career, we went into his club and like very unique in in that he you know he played for two clubs and it's something you could probably relate to, Mickey. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it, it, but like it doesn't happen too often, you know. And especially to win championships in both, similar to yourself, you know, he he won one in Sedgetown in the in the mid nineties and then went to Clannagale and won a championship there in his first year. And he talks about, like, it was it was bittersweet for him because I think Sengestown won a championship the year he won it with Clannagale in the junior, you know. And um, obviously disappointed to miss out on that, but also to to, to win a to win a junior with Clannagale. And then probably talking about maybe not winning as much with Sengestown. They lost, I think, two or three finals, one of which he didn't play. So he, he goes into detail on why that was and everything like that. And, um, and even up to two years ago, I think he was playing club football, playing a junior C final or something like that. So um, brilliant to hear an insight into the club career too, because we all know Graham as a county star, but it, it was great to hear about his experiences in club football in Meath as well. Um, and, and then he goes into his, uh, his best 15, obviously, which is just, you know, later to a quality. Did I make his best 15? No. Uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't say that people listen for themselves. But there were people, in fairness, make there were people he played with. So I don't think he really got a <laughs> got a sustained period of playing with you. But uh, yeah, he's a, he, yeah, very good fifteen. And like the, some of the players he left out, like I mean, the, the way he actually did it to start with um, was he just picked his best fifteen, right? And then he says, "Oh, you, geez, you probably want a one to 15. And I says, "Look, and if you can, you can." And he didn't have a goalkeeper, so he sacrificed the player, put in a goalkeeper, and such was the versatility in that team. He could actually pick from number two to 15 based on the, fi- based the, on the 14, best 15 players. The 14 he picked, exactly. So he's putting lads in there, even though they could have played in the half forward line, he's putting them in the half back line, you know. And that, that was probably one of the beauties about that me team as well. Like you could, you could literally put now, there was one player in particular, I won't name him, let people hear for themselves. Graham put him wing forward. I don't think he'd be too happy going wing forward. <laughs> He wouldn't be too fond of running around like that, but he says he can swap with the corner forward when he gets tired. So <laughs> you'll hear that anyway. It's a bit of crack, um, but yeah, brilliant. Um, just uh, as well, uh, if anybody does want to sign up, it's Patreon forward slash We Are Mead. Um, again, uh, if you do sign up, you'll have uh, access to all the interviews that we have done um, and obviously to all the interviews that we will be doing. Uh, thanks to some of the people who got involved with our, um, uh, who have been emailing us on our Patreon service. A couple of people looking for ideas. Uh, there was one in particular, someone was asking us, could we do a live 
um, uh, podcast. It's actually not possible to do a live podcast. Um, unfortunately, they have to be recorded and then they have to be uh, converted into the proper files and added to SoundCloud or Patreon. So unfortunately, we won't be able to do that. Someone else asked us, could we get uh, Sean Boylan on? And that is something that we would love to do. That is a, a goal of ours to get who I would consider and, and, and probably everybody in me would consider, apart from the dubs, um, uh, to be the greatest manager of all time. Um, and it is something that we will look into doing. Um, just in recent days, obviously, we've had uh, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with uh, the announcement from the government of the five step, um, the five steps to getting back to normality. And in that, Davy, there is a proviso for the GA, and I'm very excited because I really, really did not think that there would be any Gaelic football this year. Now, it's not saying that there will be. We all have to adhere to the steps and make sure that we consider uh, uh, continue with the social distancing to keep the, uh, the spread of the virus down. And if we can manage to go through the steps uh, one by one and uh, not regress, if we regress, we have to go back a step, we could have football in August. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be unbelievable. I think, I think look, at if you look at where we were this time last week, um, I think fa- hope was definitely fading. And um, whilst Leo's probably uh, interview on the late, late was a little bit worrying the way he had to take out the notes and start searching, when Tuberty asked him for, for certain things um, and to describe the GA as a sort of not non-contact sport was a little bit touchy. Well, I just like, I'm just going to defend him on that now. He didn't say non-contact. He just no no I, I yeah compared I said kind it. Of, he compa- yeah, but he compared it to rugby and what was the other one he compared it to? Uh, compared it to two other sports. It was rugby and boxing, where literally you're hugging a fella like mm. constantly throughout the game and you're mauling a fella. In in that sense, I understand what he means about it's less contact than those two sports and um, there's tackling and all that but you're not you're not allowed you're not allowed actually bear hug players anyway on the Gaelic football field whereas you're allowed to do that in rugby and you can yeah. do it in boxing as well yeah no I know look at I'm, I'm delighted I think it's I think it's positive news as you say like we're a long way away from that I think that's is that phase four is it the, that's yeah. fourth I think end of July or whatever start of August as you say but um yeah look at it's something to to keep us to keep us sane and to keep us probably with that light at the end of the tunnel, as you described it, and it'll keep people training and trying to keep fit because, you know, what I, what I think about it, whatever about a county championship, I'd say the focus will definitely be on club football um, for, for a number of reasons. One being that, you know, it makes up for probably 95, 96% of the GA population. And two, that, you know, the crowds, whilst they'll be big, they'll definitely be a lot bigger than you normally have for a club championship. They still won't be to the magnitude of, say, a county game or a county championship game. So yeah. that's probably ticking both them boxes. So I, I'd say there's definitely, you know, good hope for a club one, whatever about county. We'll just have to wait to see probably where we are in August, September time. Yeah, I've, I, I've started pre-season again. So I have. <laughs> I was kind of doing a few runs here and there and I was doing a little bit of strength work. Nothing much, to be honest well, with you. Well, I was trying to keep myself sane. But since the news the other night, I have gone into overdrive and pre-season has started. And, well, uh, is it not the weather or is it not the 1st of May that's got that? Because that's what <laughs> usually triggers you, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put me into that bracket. I was always <laughs> for the slogging in January, February and March. So I was when the fields were wet and watching lads pretending they had injuries and saying, <laughs> oh, I'm just not right yet. I need physio. It's too cold tonight is what I always used Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. Um, Davey, um, uh, obviously, you know, we don't have a huge pile to talk about, but we are excited about um, uh, what could be coming up uh, in GAA circles in the not-too-distant uh, future. And can't emphasise enough how it all depends on the public's reaction and what we all do as a nation together to uh, get uh, life back to normal, not only the GAA, but work and everything else that goes with it. And, and, and if we can all, you know... Uh, we're all missing the GEA, so if we want it back, we all have to do our part to get it back. But uh, uh, having said that, Instagram Interactive, have you got much Instagram Interactive this week? Yeah, I have a decent amount, yeah. It's, uh, and I only put up this morning because I completely forgot about it now. But um, no, we have we have a decent bit. So the first one's from Deck Dunn, who's a, who's a great listener of the podcast. And um, 
probably he's, he's asking, well, we haven't really answered this question, but uh, he says, will we see any senior inter-county football this year? Senior inter-county, we just discussed that, like, you know, while, while I was not optimistic about it at all, um, I, I'm a little bit, I, I really didn't think we'd see any county football at all this year. I didn't think we'd see any football, uh, never mind county. When, if, again, if, if the steps all go to plan and we don't regress with the virus, you might see something, but it's looking ever more likely that we might get club championship at least. Yeah, absolutely. Brendan Keogh, I, I even get the positivity from his question. He says, when we get the green light, he says, full stop, should county football be played before club? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, it should. As you yeah. said already, like the club population of footballers makes up 98, maybe 99% of, uh, of the country. So we'll say 32 by 30, that's 900 by two teams, that's 1,800 players. And there's an, that's, that's, that's all the county players in the country, uh, hurling and football. So, uh, no, I think, I, think, I think there could be up on, what, 50,000 uh, adult footballers throughout the whole country. Yeah, probably. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think like one could end up complimenting the other one, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. So if we were to run off a club championship and get every club championship done by, I don't know, September, you know, the, the second week in September or first week in September, suddenly then we can, we can say, Jesus, right, we have maybe a month or six weeks. Fair enough if you have to take it into the middle, of, middle or end of October. But if you're saying, right, geez, we're actually, we're fine. Everything's back working here. You know, people could start going to things again and all that. Then maybe there could be something to do with a club championship or sorry, a county championship. I don't know. But as you say, I think club is, is definitely the most important. So, you know, that's, that's, that's first and foremost. Um, next one is from Andy Arkins. Uh, and he's wondering why Stephen Woods is on the 45s for Kilmainham. And uh, like, Woody's a, Woody's a great... Uh, Great um, player with there with Kilmainham. He's you know one of the most dedicated club players probably going. And um, I'd suggest probably because Mickey Newman, who's probably one of the best in the county, is on the forty fives in Kilmainham, isn't probably helping his cause. But uh, I don't know what you think, Mick. Uh, look, I, I I think that could all change in Kilmainham after the after the lockdown. Um, I believe he's been out. He's been seen down on the pitch in Kilmainham every day, taking sixty fives. Never mind forty fives. Should so, he be um, there? Look, uh, he'll have to prove himself when the championship starts back. <laughs> just come well, here, no. just just to yeah. go back to your first question there um, about uh, uh, um, club football versus county football. I'm just after googling it, and the membership of adult footballers in 2014 in the country was over 500,000. So if we're going to set up, if we're going to uh, um, uh, do do Club championship versus county championship. You know, eighteen hundred players to two thousand players for county versus five hundred thousand members. It mm. just you know, it's no it's comparison. A, it's no comparison. You, you get as many footballers football this summer. That's yeah. just um, Shane Mulvaney. Interesting question coming up next, and uh, he says, "Who would make it into onto me GA's Mount Rushmore?" I'm sure you've seen that, Mick. Have you? Yeah, I've seen that one. Like number one has to be Sean Bylan. Um, yeah. so that he has to be on it. Um, I've seen it a few times on. Uh, now it's it's GA players, isn't it? Because that, that's the question. Because I I, yeah. I did see people putting up other sports stars and stuff on. But there. In, in, Shane is kind of phrased at me GA, so you, like you definitely get away with putting the likes of Sean Bylan in. I, I'd say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So me GA, not not all sports. I think no. Sean Bylan. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'd say you'd have to go with the captains, probably Mick Lines. You'd have to go with um, uh, Joe Castles, mm. Graham Garrity, Tommy Dowd. So five faces on Mount Rushmore. Would, would the likes of Martin O'Connell be hard done by, do you think? Oh, he would be, yeah. He'd be very hard done by. He uh, wouldn't be too happy. He wouldn't, no. Um, and... Uh, I'm just thinking back, you know, if we're, we're thinking in our lifetime, there's, there's been a couple of unbelievable footballers before, before our time as well. Um, uh, Collier and a few of them, like, so, uh, yeah. a few great O'Briens from Waterstown. Unbelievable. I can't believe you're saying before our time. 
<laughs> yeah, well, look, you know, uh, we, we share we share some of our time. So we do. Um, yeah, but I, I think it'd only be right to go with the captains and then maybe have, yeah. have an extra spot for Mark O'Connell. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'd agree with that. Um, P.S. Tapes, he always gets us thinking. I don't know what, you know, these questions are just out there. I'll, you'll probably need a couple of sec or a couple of minutes to maybe just, think about this one. But Just before, yeah. you, just before you do, I want to congratulate P.S. Tapes on joining our uh, Patreon service. Um, he's uh, absolutely over the moon with spending his $5 and uh, joining the Patreon service. He's never paid for a podcast in his life. He said he doesn't believe in it, but with the interviews we've had lately, in particular Graham Garrity, he said uh, it's been well worth the five dollars. So if, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Sign <laughs> up for Patreon. That's <laughs> our new ad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to his question, anyway, he says the last dance is class. Have you seen that, by the way? The last dance, no. And uh, Michael Jordan's uh, documentary on uh, Netflix. Give okay. it a watch, but. That's not what the question is on about. That's just a statement from P.S. But he, uh, he says, if Netflix were to do a 10-part GA documentary, what should it be on? Oh, a 10-part documentary. Mm. Well, obviously, like, okay, right. Well, it'd have to be, like, from the beginning till now and, and how it started and how, you know, how the GA became this force within Ireland and whatever. Um, and... Uh, yeah, like it'd have to start off maybe at uh, in uh, at the shootings in Crow Park um, uh, during the rising. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really good question. I think it'd be brilliant. It'd have to go through, like you know, when when you consider that the largest stadium in the world for an amateur sport is Crow Park. You know, it just shows you how powerful um, the GEA was is within within the country and. Uh, you know, for such a small country as well, to have a sport of our own. I th- I, do you know what? Like, I, th- I think it's a fabulous idea and I think you should run with that to Netflix. Yeah, and like even, I'd love to see the, the rivalries kind of between certain counties um, documented a little bit more as well, just to show, you know, how how deep and how bitter some of them can be. And they, they really are. And it's, it's maybe not even the obvious ones like Meath and Dublin, but it's probably the the ones that, you know, even Cavan and Monaghan, like you, you'll probably be able to relate to that. No, yeah, yeah, well, the Cavan and Monaghan, the Cavan and Monaghan one is pretty bad, but the Cavan and Meath one is worse. Yeah, so, yeah, well, but like that, Mead, Mead and Loud, even like you know, we're probably at the we could we could be in a load of them because we can layer <laughs> on that as well. And West Mead, we're <laughs> we're we over. The, the funny, the funniest part about the Mead Cavan one is that Mead people don't kind of see it as a rivalry, but it's Cavan people who do. And I've always felt that when I'm when I was in Cavan, yeah. I was all, they'd be like, "On we hate Mead," and I'd be like, "On why we don't yeah. mind you?" like you know, but they hate Mead. And then there's the whole thing of coming home from uh, the All Ireland semi final in '97 and the stones being thrown at the yes, bus. I've, I've heard that one. Said, that was hell, wasn't it? Well, I didn't want to mention any town lads, but you're after doing it. You're after opening it up a sore. So, like, even even there's a, a, a um, Mark Farley who writes for the Balls.ie, I think it is. Um, uh, um, he he even has uh, he mentioned last year when he was uh, doing one of his podcasts, uh, the Battle of the Shit Tower of Karen Ross. You know, uh, you know the shit tower at the march in Karen Ross. And, and, and he was talking about this rivalry between Meath and Cavan and how it runs so deep in Cavan people. And when I was down there, like, I felt the brunt of it an awful lot of the time. And then they talked to me and whatever. And I've, I've done my bit for easing the tensions between Cavan people and Meath people over the years. But it still runs deep in the veins of the older, the older people in Cavan, I think. But yeah, you're right. So, now, the only thing is about those uh, bitter rivalries. There are better rivalries in, 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 in the GEA between different counties and whatever, but it's not to the same level as the bitter rivalries in soccer. And that's something they'll just, you know, like just to throw out that it's not, mm. you know, uh, again, it's, it's all being, it's all brings me back to that point that I was saying earlier on about being part of the GEA community, you know, like bitter rivals and, and club scene, all of a sudden, uh, they, as you said, kick the shit out of each other. But then the next thing is they'll stand beside each other in Park College and if Mead are playing against Kildare or Wicklow or Dublin yeah. and, 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 and they get behind their team. And there's just this, 
beautiful, beautiful camaraderie uh, within the GA, and I suppose that goes right back to the very beginning of the GA. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good question. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, he, he always goes left the field and comes out with something brilliant. He really does. Uh, Evan Kelly, he says, I think we've kind of answered this one, but when will the championship start back, and do you think it will be played differently? I suppose that's format, probably. Yeah, well, we didn't we didn't mention the format or whatever. Again, that's going to be decided by uh, by Central Council in, in Crow Park. That's not going to be decided by the the, the county boards this year. Um, the GA met and had special congress a couple of weeks ago, and it gave them uh, power to a committee. It gave power to a committee within the the, the uh, highest echelons of the GA to decide what way the championship structures would run throughout the whole country to get some sort of uniformity when we do uh, get back up and running. And uh, I think what they'll do is they'll, they'll suggest that each county board goes with a straight knockout. Mm, yeah, sure. Uh, next one is from Paul Munley and he's trim, trim boys are having a bit of crack here. Should James Cullen be on freeze instead of Young Lynch for trim? James Cullen. Mm. Um, well, I thought I thought it was James Kilcullen there for a minute. I was going to say it was well. There's a bit of news. James Kilcullen has has left Simon's and got giant trim. So it's James Cullen. Should yeah. he be on the free? There's a lot of people talking about freeze this week and 45s. I think it's just withdrawal symptoms. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I know Lynchy's Lynchy's top class with the freeze. To be fair, uh, James Cullen is a great footballer on the 40, but I probably wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be pushing for him to be taking the freeze instead of Lynchy now. Yeah, well, see, this is something I'd like to... I, I don't usually like for uh, the GEA to, to adapt uh, rules from other sporting organisations, but I would love to see the GEA bringing in a rule similar to the American football where you get your kicker on the field. And, uh, like, it had created a position for me that I could keep playing football till I was 55 or 60. Um, if you just... You win a free, and the next thing is you say, right, we're bringing the kicker on. Yeah. I don't have to get into any sort of contact with anybody, you know, that kind of way. Don't, well, have, to, don't have to run, don't have to win my own ball. I can just yeah. kick the ball 70 yards. I, I think that would be a great idea. So We used to do these seven-a-side blitzes in Dungani when we, were, uh, when we were young, and one of the things that was encouraged was kicking frees off the ground. Yeah. And we had, we had a guy at the guy that we brought with us so you brought a panel of 10 and 7 played but you could roll on roll off and he was brilliant from the ground probably he wasn't the best at maybe you know working hard or probably running or anything like that so when we won a free we'd bring him on he'd kick the free 19 out of 10 and go over we'd get 2 points for the free because yeah, that's when he kicked, kicked off the end was 2 points and, for the kick and then he'd go off and he'd come back on again it was just and it was it was perfect it worked like a treat um, but I'd yeah. love to I'd love to see it being brought in uh, like you'd, I, I, you'd, you'd play till you're 60 <laughs> I, easily easily because I know I'm going to be able to kick the ball 60 yards up until I'm 60 so <laughs> um uh, moving on, uh, Sean Fitz then to try and get one off against Munley. He said, should Paul Munley retire? And uh, Paul, Paul was in touch with us and he says, he's, he says, there's definitely a year left of me. Actually, even better, he says, half a year. <laughs> so he's hoping yeah. for a, a championship to come back in maybe August. And he'll only have to play a few months of that. He might go out with a, with a, with a glory. Yeah, go out with a bit of glory. Go out in the swan song, uh, having, having played his last six months of Gaelic football. Um, next one is from Robert Perfield. Uh, he says, "When's the grounds World Cup coming? I've a few bob on some pats." The what? What? The grounds. So remember when we we did the club? Uh, you know which club would win in the virtual championship. So he he wants to know when are we doing a grounds one? So when are we doing like some pats? Oh yes, 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 yes. Club grounds basically. Yes, the Club Grounds World Cup of Mead. Um, yeah, that's uh, that, that, we we did talk about that. Now, look, we've been we've been mental busy over the last number of weeks. Um, and uh, in fairness, the the virtual uh, championship, uh, the Mead Junior, Senior, and Intermediate Championships, they took up a lot of time. So we just wanted to give ourselves a break because we we're getting all the interviews and stuff like that. So um, it is something that we'll do in the next couple of weeks. Um, Bank holiday just over. A lot of work on this week, so maybe maybe we might kick that off next Sunday night or maybe next mm. Monday. Um, I think I think probably throw everyone into a hat, do an open yeah. draw, and we'll we'll rattle through it, you know, in, in a few days, hopefully. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to suggest. Um, I will uh, get my KPMG um, independent observers in again. We'll do the draw. We'll put all the, the clubs into uh, a bucket and we'll draw them out one, uh, one by one and uh, see how it goes. I'll even do up the table, the uh, either side of the table. Do you remember we did this? Yeah, 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 class. Um, final. Pora Carlin just got in then with a comment and he just says, Kilmain and Wood, best pitch in the county. And uh, to be fair to him, I think that's a, that's a real dark horse. I think Kilmain and Wood, the, the job they've done with the pitch and the clubhouse and everything like that has been uh, stunning in the last while. And they've got a couple of massive games in recent years. They've got, not last year, the year before, I think they got Kells and Avonomatnys in the senior championship now. Hell of a distance to bring Avonomatnys out to Kilmain and Wood. But uh, I think it was a Sunday evening and they always usually get a big game at six o'clock on a Sunday evening on a championship weekend. Great, great uh, venue for a game. Really lovely part of the country. And um, yeah, I think Kilmain and Wood could do well if we were to do, uh, to do a grounds World Cup. Yeah, yeah, well, it all depends on the voting. They'll have to, they'll have to get that put out in the in the uh, in the mass on the Sunday just to announce it, so they will, um, and maybe into the, the the parish leaflet as well. Um, Sean Fitzgerald, this is a good question, by the way. Uh, he said, "Who is the dirtiest defender in Mead?" Who's the dirtiest defender yeah. in Mead? Oh, yeah. Let me see. Um, uh, oh, there's one that springs to mind for me. Uh, um, what's Craylon's second name uh, from Summerhill? Um, oh, Young. Craylon Young. Yeah, he's he's he's. I, I've had a few. I've had a few ding-dong battles with him. Uh, Niall McCaig is a fabulous, fabulous defender, but he's a dirty little brat. So he's yeah, yeah, yeah. a good friend of mine. But he's I like. You know, uh, one of the toughest defenders that I've come up against, and knows all the knows all the tricks. So he does knows all the tricks. Um, like, in fairness, I I wouldn't say any of the Simon Soon defenders are dirty, um, <laughs> and I've come up, uh, I've come up against them a good few times. Um, Kaylon Young and me had a couple of good battles. Niall and myself always had great battles. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I I think I'm trying to I'm trying to. I don't remember. I, I can't think of any years. What about yourself? Any Drum Condra defender I mark is usually fairly dirty. Um, <laughs> uh, Ivor O'Halloran in training for me as well. He, he's the he, you probably know Ivor. He's a little boy. I know like, Ivor. Yeah. He's, oh Jesus Christ! Like when you're marking him in a training game, the ball's up the other end of the field, and he's in your face, pushing you, pulling you, dragging you. Like I'd never wear a nice. Uh, jersey or a nice top to train in with, because you're always running the risk when you're marking him he'll, he'll just rip it <laughs> off you um, uh, I think it's James too is it in, in Oldcastle he probably yeah. similar age to yourself Mick yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I marked him when I only started and I remember like Jesus like is this what adult football is going to be like like he was literally oh man and uh, but I just heard that he's, he's that, that was him in a nutshell you know but uh, there's a few you'd want to have a good think about that because you could you could pick Different actually, guys. actually, a couple of a couple of the Dumboyne defenders, um, the wee red lad in the corner. What's his name? I'm, 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 I'm after having a long weekend and I can't think. Um, he actually. Uh, yeah, I remember you, you and him in a was it the semi final or the? It was. Uh, was it? I think it was. Yeah, it was the semi final. Um, they beat us in. Yeah, um, I, was at that. I remember that. Yeah, he, he, like there were, there were 10 or 12 points up and he was still swinging out at me and he was slagging me about the podcast and uh, I just turned around and I said to him, was like, uh, for, at, at first I was getting involved and then I, like there was about five, 10 minutes to go and I was thinking maybe there's a chance of us getting back into it. But with about three or four minutes to go, I realised the game was up and I just turned around and I shook his hand and I said, look, hmm. well, let's, let's just finish the game, the two of us. I says, you're going into a senior championship final. Let's not do that and stupid. You want to be playing in the senior championship final. It's going to be the greatest day of your career. And uh, and we shook hands. And it was it, it was nice because, you know, we were after having that little battle. I was thinking there might be a chance that we can get back into this game. But when the goose was cooked, I was just like, no, like whatever yeah. you do, don't do that and silly. Don't swing for me now because I was pushing them and niggling at them and whatever. And, you know, I was just hoping that he wouldn't do that and silly. But uh, um, yeah. That, that's a good question. Be interesting to see other people's views on that as well. Um, James O'Dwyer, your club mate, Mick, he says, uh, an interview with Peter Duffy on his move to the AFL later this year, um, should he go or not? 
Yeah, see, look, I, this, this uh, move to the AFL for Peter Duffy, um, it's been kicked down the road so many yeah. times. I don't think it's going to happen personally. Now, look, I could be wrong. Uh, Peter Duffy, he's a talented boy, and, uh, you know, the AFL have been looking for him for quite some time. Um, uh, but maybe that's... Maybe that's just all in my head, but or maybe that's just spin from Jelly and uh, James Dwyer. Um, but uh, yeah, look at this stage, I think he's too old. Um, I think he's past it. Yeah. Okay. Be, be some addition though for Simon Sound in fairness, if he does stay. Yeah. Um, he does. Speaking of some addition, it's uh, it's Sean Duggan from Manalvi, and uh, Sean's been acting acting the lad here because he's asked a question about his fellow clubmate Connor Harren and. But he's, I think he's thrown the question into the WhatsApp pretending like he has nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> and I, he, he texts me earlier on, he says, will you share this? I says, yeah, yeah, no problem. But I said, you do understand that whoever asks the questions are revealed on the podcast later on. And he says, that's a risk yeah. he's willing to take. But anyway, Duggan says, NUI Galway ruining Connor Sesh Harnan's career. Um, now, what I would say is Connor Harnan is probably... No, he'd be about the same age as Duggan and he's probably played twice as many championship games as him, so... Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the, 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 the answer is in his nickname, uh, Connor Sesh Arnold. Yeah. Um, so, need we say anymore? No, no. <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good lad, Harnan, though. He, he really is. I have a lot of time for him. Um, what about Duggan? Oh, oh, well, he's a good lad, too. <laughs> we all know that. Um, <laughs> Joey Christie, uh, he says, will Shane Walsh be a starter and a free taker and be the six point a game forward we need? I think he has the potential to be, definitely. Um, you know, still a young man, fabulous, fabulous footballer. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him um, uh, progress into that. I, I, I think he's got everything. He's got all the attributes that we need for that, for that you know, Focal point in the full forward line um, and a great eye for scoring. Um, if he can get his free taken, you know, just perfected, I think that that will give him the confidence to go on and kick three or four points from play as well in a game. Because mm. I've noticed that about him uh, last year when he came into the team, that once he got an easy free and he kicked it over the bar, his confidence built. And that's, you can say that, that is a trait of most free takers. Um, that the more the more handy frees that they get to kick over the bar, that they they become, they get more into a game. They can have slow starts, but once they get those couple of points on the board, because as a full forward and a free taker, you feel like you need to be on the score sheet. If you're not on the score sheet, you don't think you're doing your job as a full forward. So I think I think he has all the all the ability to go on and be that player. That's a great insight. Uh, Ronan Perry is next up, and he says, "Choose one, count to your club championship." Ah, club. Yeah, I I say the same. Um, I look at it, I, I in fairness, I think the vast majority, even county footballers, would say something similar, you know. And and club is ultimately where it's at, and that's number one, and it always has been, and in my eyes, it always will be. You know, we all we all love going to meet games and sporting meet, and and I'm sure the boys love playing for meet. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like, and you know yourself, there's nothing like playing for your club. It it really yeah. is, you know, the number one. Um, and uh, I think I think that's it actually. Sorry, that's the last one. I, I said there was a couple more, but yeah, no. The the just on that question, like club or county this year, yeah. Like if you were, if you had to pick between either one, I think more people will get more enjoyment from a club championship than they would from a county championship, um, because it, it's all about the the community and uh, and the people that you grew up with and family friends. And the whole lot. So I think it'd be paramount to everybody getting back to themselves having a club championship rather than a county championship this year. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that's all the Instagram for this week, Mick. That's perfect, no problem. Well, we just want to announce now on our podcast that we have a wonderful, wonderful uh, interview coming up this week. It's the one and only David Rispin, and he is going to be interviewing the one and only Dara Campion. Um, Dara, is, uh, he's been injured a lot this year, um, uh, Davey, but uh, what a man. Like, you know, he burst onto the scene last year with Mead um, on the senior team. Had a fabulous year the year beforehand at under 20 level, I think it was. Um, he's, 
he as well has the potential to be our our go-to man to get five or six points from play in a game. Yeah, no, he absolutely does, and he's proved that. I was up in um, Bally Buffet last February in the league when he kicked three or four points from play that night. Some exquisite scores as well, you know, not none easy. I think he's he's probably something similar to his club mate Trevor Giles in that. You know, he does play a little bit deeper and he loves providing. And he will also score, don't get me wrong. But I think, first and foremost, you know, he works extremely hard and his, the supply of ball that he gets into the full forward line and then feeds off is, is kind of what he does best for me. Um, I don't really see him as an inside forward. I know he's kind of been tried there. But I think, as I agree with you, I think a player with bucket loads of potential, I think... Uh, we haven't seen the best of him yet. Um, we will see the best of him. This year has been really frustrating, I'm sure. We'll hear that from, you know, with injuries and stuff and missing out in Division 1 and that. But I've, I've every faith and confidence that he will get his chance once he gets himself right. We'll, we'll get a good update on where he's at with the injury as well and, you know, how he's progressed that and how maybe the, the you know, the coronavirus has actually probably helped him in, in many ways in getting himself right as opposed to maybe rushing back for first round of the championship or something like that. So, yeah, should be a good one. Um, one of the new guards we wouldn't have really heard a whole pile about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's funny, you mentioned something there, um, and I mentioned it as well, the potential of some of the players that are in this meet team. And what I would urge is that any player, anybody out there is listening to our podcast, um, that they go back and they listen to the Alan Nestor um, uh, interview. Because the Alan Nestor interview was fabulous and I took a few things from it you know um, we have players of the calibre of that we need you know uh, coming uh, coming through potential is potential you know unless you fulfil it you're, you're you're not using your potential and, and, and Alan Nestor speaks about you know maybe you know how he didn't utilise his his potential properly and, uh, you know, he, he, listening to his interview, the regrets he has mm. about not doing what he needed to do to, um, to become that unbelievable footballer that he could have become. Um, I, I thought it was a fabulous, fabulous interview. I thought it was so honest. And there's, 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 great, there's, there's great listening in it for lads who who are really good footballers, the likes of your Campos, the likes of your Shane Walches, mm. uh, that are out there uh, at the minute wearing a meat jersey and, 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 and young fellas from other clubs, if they, want, if they want to go and progress through their club and onto a county team, I'd advise them to listen to that because it's an eye-opener because an awful lot of players slip through the net and don't realise that, you know, it takes a little bit more than just having potential uh, to reach your potential. And, you know, by the time your chance comes around, it's too late for a lot of these players. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful lesson uh, that he speaks about in that, in that interview. Yeah, like he, he talked about in 07, he put so much work into getting, not getting the call in 07. And he thought that with Dudley there, who coached him at minor and under 21, that he had every chance and to miss out and see his mates getting on it. But then in fairness, he got on it in 08. But then the change of manager didn't help his cause in 09. He's, he said himself, you know, not that he went off the rails, but he did what any chap in his 20s would do, and he enjoyed himself in that, maybe a little bit too much in his own words. And then by the time he got to 2012 or 2013, five, six years later, he said he was 26, 27, and he suddenly realised that, Jesus, I have probably won, you know, last, last chance. chance. And he says he absolutely trained like a, like a maniac to get, to get himself back on the panel and obviously he ran into, you know, ill health and everything like that. And, you know, that, that obviously took on a different side and thankfully he got through that. And that was, that was a, you know, a massive win in itself. But at that stage, as you say, you know, Alan recognized that that was it for him. He'd already had his chance in probably 08 at maybe the age of 20, 21 years of age and didn't probably, didn't probably acknowledge it at the time or didn't probably appreciate, you know, what, what he was getting or the opportunity he was getting. And suddenly then, five, four or five years later, he, he, the chance was gone. And it's very easy for him to, to just brush that aside and even talk about the illness and that. But he didn't, in fairness, he, he, he fully kind of owned up to it. And he says that was a regret of his. And as you say, that was, 
it must it couldn't have been an easy thing to to say, but you know he was, and he was he was very open and honest about it, which you'd have to admire about. Him. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I thought it was a, a fabulously honest interview from like an unbelievable footballer, um, an unbelievable character as well. Um, and again, I would urge people to listen to it. Um, anybody out there who has that dream of going on and playing county football, that you know, just if if you're good enough, you know, don't waste the opportunity and. There's an awful lot more that goes with being a county footballer than just playing on the field. Um, you know, you, 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 have to, you have to hold yourself a certain way off the field as well. And only Alan Nestor knows that too well as well himself. Um, you know, you can make mistakes and, and, and they can cost you, basically. Um, Davey, again, look, I think that's it for this week. Um, have you anything else you want to bring to the podcast? No, nothing. No, I don't think so. Um, what about yourself? You're ready for another 10k run, are you? Oh God! I tell you what, I was uh, I, I like I've done eight. I did eight like about a week or two ago, and that was okay. But I, I did one massive lap of our of the whole parish nearly of Bormean, down the new line and back up say and crossing the motorway, which is literally three quarters of a kilometer from my house. And I was, so I was in. I was over nine k. It was probably nine and a half, and I came up the bridge, running up the bridge on my hamstrings. I tell you what. It's a different kind of fitness altogether to what you're used to in football. I was sure my ham- I've never pulled my hamstring. I've I've often you know strained it and hurt it, but never pulled it. I was sure it was going to go. Um, it was clinging on for dear life. So no, I'll never say a bad word about runners again. I think it's extremely boring. I don't know how the people run marathons or that, but you know full full credit. I hold my hands up. Yeah. It's, it's a different type of fitness altogether. <laughs> Dead like a typical corner forward. <laughs> really is. It's just, you know, like, uh, it's, it's funny because corner forwards, full forwards, they just love excitement, you know? And, you know, it's all about getting the ball turned quick over the bar and yeah, yeah, short yeah. little sharp bursts. Exactly. Like running, running 10 kilometers is not exciting. No, it's so exciting. boring. <laughs> it's just, I, I am of, of a similar ilk to yourself, you know. But do you know what? Try that 10K, bring a football with you. Um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> and you, you might enjoy it a little bit more. Look, Davey, uh, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast again this week. Um, as we said, we have the uh, Dara Campion uh, interview coming up this week. We've got... Part two of Graham Garrity's interview is going out on Wednesday as well. So if you haven't signed up for the Patreon service yet, sign up and get part one, get the Andy McIntyre, get the Alan Nestor, get the whole lot of the interviews that we've done. But Graham Garrity's part two is coming out this Wednesday. And again, there's a few good chuckles in it as well. It's an absolutely brilliant interview. Um, and again, so honest and open. And uh, one of Ireland's, or one of Mead's greatest footballers, um, and a lot of people would say probably the greatest footballer um, that Mead uh, has ever had to don the Mead jersey, obviously. Um, and um, we'll be back next Sunday evening with another We Are Mead podcast, hopefully an update uh, on, on, on something that's happening within the GEA. Hopefully the Congress will, will have a little bit more information for us before, uh, before then. But until then, remember... We are me, why matters more.